Welcome to church. I'm Josh, one of the pastors here. You know, Christmas is, um, for a lot of us, our favorite time of year. And uh, for our family, uh, we're experiencing a lot of new things. Uh, We got to experience um, our first snow in New England the other day, um, which was a lot of fun. So we woke our kids up for that. And um, because we didn't really get a lot of snow in Arizona. You know, but Christmas, the, the Christmas Advent season is one that's filled with a lot of different emotions. It, there's the emotion of joy, there's the emotion of happiness, right? There, there's the emotions that surround all the cookies and the parties and the gift giving, uh, all the laughter, right? There's the emotion that we feel uh, when we're in the kitchen with people and we're laughing and we're eating and we're sharing stories and, and, and these these moments when we look back and, and we think, man, I haven't laughed that hard in such a long time. Like I laughed until it hurt, right? There are those emotions. And when we get cards and we get gifts from people, the, the emotions that come from pulling out decorations, right, and sharing stories, right? When you pull out the different decorations and say, hey, remember this moment? Do you remember this time? Do you remember, do you remember this gift? Do you remember when you were the first kid to do this? You were the first kid to walk. And so we got this ornament to remind everyone that you were the first of our kids to walk because you were the firstborn. If you're the third kid, we don't have any ornaments for you for your first Christmas, right? And, and, and so, but then for some of us, if we don't feel the emotions of happiness and joy, we struggle at Christmas. Because Christmas and Advent is also about the emotions and the memories of loss, of sadness, of darkness. As the days get shorter and and, and the sun goes down a lot earlier, Christmas kind of feels darker than other times of year. It's the reminder, too, around the holidays of of relationships that have shifted, that maybe have just kind of fallen off, or relationships that have ended. It's the reminder of people who aren't with us anymore. It's the reminder of loss, some big, some small. Right, just yesterday, we were pulling out our Christmas ornaments, and one of our traditions in our family when we lived in Arizona was every summer we went to California. And we have different ornaments to remind us of that and and different things. And Ava said, Dad, I just realized we haven't been to California in over two years. And it was this reminder as I sat there of the losses that we have experienced just in the last two years because of COVID. And and the things that we took for granted, the things that just happened. And and in our family, that that was a big loss for our family. There were so many memories over the course of 15 years of going to the same place that was just gone. And we experienced these different losses in big and small ways. And we're flooded by emotions at Christmas. We're flooded by emotions. We feel things deeper and bigger around the holidays than we do at other times of the year. Have you noticed that, that maybe, especially if you're a crier, that maybe you cry more often around the holidays? Because we feel things 
in deeper ways. And, and the reason for that is because of what is connected to Advent. See, if you don't have a church background, Advent is the beginning of the Christian church calendar. Advent is the beginning as we look forward to what Jesus does. But Advent is the season of darkness and light. It's why we resonate so deeply with Christmas. Because Advent is the reminder, as Chris said, that we look back that Jesus came, but it's also as we look forward that Jesus is going to return. See, an Advent is this tension that we live in. Okay, Advent is this tension of the in-between that we live in in life. And all of us right now find ourselves at the in-between in places of life. There are things that we're waiting to have happen. Right, if you're a teenager, you're in the in-between of, you know, waiting to become an adult. There's so many in-between places, and Advent is the season of the in-between. And, and Pastor Fleming Rutledge said this, she said, Advent is the season that when properly understood does not flinch from the darkness that stalks us in this world. Advent begins in the dark and moves towards the light. See, Advent, what we're going to do in this series over the next several weeks is we're going to move from the darkness to the light. And to do that, we're going to unpack just a simple verse. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, the writer says this, that see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And so over this series, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the different places that God is with us. We're going to look at the places of how God is with us in the storm, how God is with us in the valleys of life, how God is with us in the darkness. But one of the things that we forget at Christmas time, especially if you grew up in church, is that we read verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus' birth, and we just think, yeah, it just happened. Just happened one day. All of a sudden, it just seems totally normal as we read through it. Especially if you read with your kids the Christmas story on, uh, on Christmas morning, it just seems totally normal to us. But the Christmas story, the Advent story, is not normal at all. See, when we read in our Bibles and the Old Testament ends, and we get to Matthew chapter 1, it's one page in our Bible. But here's what's incredibly important to remember. Between the Old and New Testament was 400 years of silence. 400 years where God didn't send a prophet, he didn't send any words, he didn't send any angels, he didn't send any miracles or signs, he sent nothing. Now I wanna put this into context for, for us because our country isn't even 400 years old. So uh, imagine there were whole generations that never heard from God. That all they had were stories that were passed down. And in this silence, in this darkness, God enters in to our world. And he doesn't come as a king. He doesn't come as an adult. He doesn't come as a ruler. He comes as a helpless baby and enters into our world. See, in the Christmas story, the Advent story is wrapped up in this phrase, God with us. But it's easy to believe that God is with us when life is going well. 
It's easy to believe when we have a good year that God is with us. It's easy to believe right now if things are going well for you at work or or in school, it's easy to believe that God is with us. But when the storms of life hit, when we find ourselves alone, when we find ourselves feeling forgotten, or as we're gonna see today, when we feel the deafening silence of God, So I want you to think for a moment, the silence that the people of God experienced for 400 years. And I want you to think for a moment, have you ever had the experience where you prayed for something, you asked God for something, and all you got was silence? Almost this feeling, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, where you felt like you prayed and your prayer just went up and hit the ceiling and just like flopped down right next to you. Maybe you've prayed for something for years. You've prayed that that God would intervene in a relationship for years and nothing seems to be happening. You've prayed that God would heal somebody from an addiction. You've prayed that God would free you from an addiction and it just seems like nothing is happening. It's just silence. You've asked that God would make something clear to you and you say, God, show me which way to go and it is just like there are no road signs whatsoever for you. It is just deafening. See, and in the Advent season is for many of us, and especially for the people of God as they waited, it is a season of silence. And one of my favorite Psalms in Psalm 13 shows us how to handle the silence of God. See, the book of Psalms is one of the most loved books in the Bible. It's the oldest book that we have of poems and prayers The book of Psalms is filled with power and passion. It has horrendous misery, anger, every emotion. It has hope. It has depression. It has anxiety. It has joy. And David in Psalm 13, I want you to feel the anguish. This is what David says in Psalm 13, verse 1. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? And and so David vents what many of us at different moments have felt in our prayer lives. See, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there has probably been a moment in your life where you have felt like God forgot you. Where you have felt like God gave somebody else the answers to your prayers. Like, have you ever had that feeling where you looked at somebody else's life and thought, man, how did they get my life? That person got my marriage. Like, that person got the career that I asked God for. How did they get it? And David says, God, how long will you forget me? See, and David feels forgotten by God. And and many of us have felt this. We have felt the silence and the absence of God. We have felt this, we have felt what David feels. But, but if you're taking notes, why don't you write this down, that the silence of God does not equal the absence of God. The silence of God does not equal the absence of God. See, David in this moment feels like God is gone, but it does not mean that God is gone. When David says, will you forget me forever, it does not mean that God has forgotten David. See, our feelings are real, but they're also things that we need to bring to God to interpret them and say, okay, is this feeling, is it actually true? 
And so David comes to God and you feel this anguish. You feel the closeness that David feels with God. See, we don't ask random acquaintances or people we just met like, hey, I hope you don't forget me. Like, I hope next week you remember that we bumped into each other. No, but you feel the closeness that David feels to God. God, why, why do I feel like you forgot me? See, in this, this question is the heart cry of so many of us. The heart cry for so many of us is that somebody will notice us, that somebody will see us, that we'll walk into a room and people will know that we're there. Like we want to know that God sees us, that God notices us, that God is aware of us. And David says, God, I feel like you're just not aware that I'm in the room anymore. I feel like you're just ignoring me. And have you ever felt this question of how long will you hide from me? Like, I don't know if you've ever had a season. I've had these seasons where no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I'll read, you know, I'll get up each morning, I'll get my coffee, I'll open up my Bible, and nothing seems to happen. And I think, man, what am I doing wrong? Like, why is, and then, then you go to like your community group, and the other people sitting around the table are like, man, I just, like, God will not stop talking to me. Like, it's just amazing how God is just everywhere, and God is answering every prayer. And it's just unbelievable. Like, I'm getting things that I didn't even pray for. And I'm thinking, man, like, I'm trying so hard. Why is everybody else getting all this stuff? Or you look at other people, and, and, and we all do this. Oh, I'll confess this. Like, where we judge other people, and we're like, I'm holier than that person. Like, how come they're getting the blessings? Right, have you ever felt that way? I mean, I have. It's okay, you can admit it. We're in church, you don't have to lie about it. But like, and he says, how long are you gonna hide? How long are you gonna hide? Like you feel just this anguish, this angst. And we feel this, we feel so many times like we're missing God. We feel so many times, and what these verses show us is the dependence that we have on God. And, and we don't like to be dependent on anybody. And what prayer shows us is that we are utterly dependent. Prayer shows us that we are utterly dependent for God to intervene. Because there is something right now in your life that you're facing that unless God intervenes, it is hopeless. And, and we hate that feeling. I hate that feeling. And so David says, God, how many times am I going to show up and you just hide? But what these verses show us too is that when these seasons of spiritual dryness, these seasons of spiritual depression, when they, when they happen, we shouldn't be surprised. But every time we enter into a season of silence, every time we enter into a season of dryness, we are completely caught off guard by them. And what Psalm 13 shows us is that we should expect them to happen. Like, now, we, now we're not going to welcome them. We're not going to be like, man, I'm so excited that God decided to choose this moment to just not speak to me. But it shouldn't surprise us when that happens. See, and we enter these seasons for, in different ways. Sometimes we enter seasons of spiritual dryness because of sin in our own life that we're not dealing with. Sometimes we enter into these seasons because of decisions other people have made. 
But no matter what leads us into these seasons of silence and spiritual dryness and spiritual depression, what we have to understand is that God is working in the midst of all of them. And if you read throughout church history, you read biographies of people throughout church history, you read the people in scripture that God used, every single one of them went through a season that they said, God, where are you? God, why are you not speaking? God, why are you not moving? God, why are you not doing the things that I've asked you to do? Every single person. And so David shows us though too, that in our prayer lives, we don't hold back. See, some of us, as we read these verses, we think it's not okay for me to question God. And Psalm 13 shows us, no, 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 you, you are allowed and even, I would say, encouraged to question God. God has big enough shoulders, you can bring it to him. David doesn't hold back. He I mean, these are, these are incredibly, incredibly painful verses. And then David continues in verse three, he says, consider me and answer me, Lord my God, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And so David vents even more, he says, will you just consider me? Like you feel the desperation. Like have you ever had this moment in a relationship where you just said, will you just, will you even think about answering me? Like maybe just think about it. Like, you know that moment when you text somebody and you just get like the three dots and it's like, could you just consider like hitting send? Like that's, I mean, that's what David is saying. Will you just consider me? Will you just, will you, can I even be on your radar, God, like at all? I, I mean, it's almost like David is doing what the smartest kids have figured out. So David comes to God with five questions and God doesn't seem to do anything. So he says, okay, I'm, I'll stop asking questions. I'll try this tactic. It's like when you go to your parents, say, hey, we, can we do this? Or you go to a friend or your spouse, say, hey, what about this? And they're, they're like not answering. They're not budging. They're like, you know what? Let me try a different tactic. Will you just consider this? And so David says, will you just consider this? And he says, if you don't, my enemies will say that they have triumphed over me, that you, that you just don't exist, that you're just not even there, that my faith is just in vain. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this, but what David is voicing is the question that you and I will often have of what is even the point of praying? Like how long do I have to keep praying if God isn't going to respond? Like how long is too long? How much, how, how long do I have to ask? Or if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I don't understand why you keep trusting God because he doesn't seem to answer you. Like you, you asked for that and that didn't happen like that. So is your God even real? And we've had these moments, we've had these conversations where, where, where people have pressed our, our, into our faith and said, is your God even out there? Like, because how long are you gonna pray for that child of yours? How, are you gonna, how long are you gonna pray for that relationship to be mended? Like, how, when are you just gonna give up? And, and then we start to wonder, like, well, man, maybe I should give up. Like, sh I, I don't know. And I remember a season in my life where those questions just rattled around in my soul. I was praying for something, I was asking God to make something clear in my life, and it, and it felt like for two years, God just did not answer. And I remember I was reading this book by Philip Yancey, and he, and he talks, Philip Yancey writes some of the best stuff about faith and doubt. 
And I, and I was wrestling with, why do I keep asking God for, for this answer? Like, it, it's just not happening. And one morning as I was reading, Philip Yancey said, when people ask me, Philip, why do you keep praying if God doesn't answer, if God doesn't respond in, in your timetable, if you struggle with doubt, why do you keep praying? And he said, the reason I keep praying is because Jesus did. And he said, and if Jesus saw the point of prayer in the darkness and in the silence, then I will keep praying. See, in prayer is this place, what David shows us in Psalm 13 is that prayer is this place where we bring our doubts, we bring our complaints, we bring our struggles, we bring our questions to God. See, Psalm 13 is what is called a psalm of lament. And, and for those of you who think that being a follower of Jesus means that you are never angry, that you never struggle with grief, that you never struggle with disappointment, that it's just flowers and rainbows, Psalm 13, the Psalms of Lament, over a third of the Psalms are Psalms of Lament. Psalms of questions, Psalms of depression, of darkness, of silence. And so what David is showing us is it is okay for us to lament, but we, we don't have real language for this in, in Christian circles. We, we do everything in our power to stay away from grief and lament. We do everything in our power in our lives to keep any of those feelings, we, we want them over there, right? We'll even say when people start to bring some of these up, we'll even be like, don't, don't even put that out into the universe around here. Like we, we are so, we're so afraid of those things. And yet, what David shows us is that it's okay for us to come to God in these things. And here's the amazing thing, when you read throughout scripture, did you know four times in the Old Testament, we're told, that when people prayed, God relented or changed his mind in response to their request. Four times. That because of what they prayed, because of what they asked, God relented and changed his mind. So when we pray, God moves. But look at what David says in verse five. He says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Now, I don't know if you've picked up yet, but God has yet to say anything to David. These six verses are just David talking. These are just David praying. These are just David lamenting. But David says, I have trusted in your faithful love. That word love in Hebrew is the word has said, which carries this idea of completely undeserved kindness and generosity. See, has said, the love has said is not a feeling. Right, when we think of love in our culture, it's, it, it's all just feeling. It's all just, you know, oh, I feel so in love. I, I can't explain it. Like, it's just, like has said is not this romantic love. Has said is this action that intervenes on the behalf of others. Has said is faithful, it's reliable. It's the person who prays for years that their loved one comes to know God. It's the dad once again bailing out his drug addicted son. 
It's the parents who care daily for the child who can't care for themselves. Hased is the love that when everybody walks out of the room, Hased is the love that walks in. Hased is the love when people say, why do you keep going back to help that person? How many times are you gonna be taken advantage of? Hased is the love that says, it's okay. That is the love that God the Father has for you. Where he says, there's not a limit. God the Father doesn't say, you know what, I, I've, I've really walked into this room 97 times to clean you up. Hased does not keep count. Hased is a faithful love. But how do we get to this place? How do we move from, from verse one of questioning and agony it's the perspective that David has. Look at what he says. I will rejoice in your deliverance. So David is planning ahead. Look at what he says. I will rejoice, which is what, he, what he's saying is, you have yet to deliver me. Now notice, when we think of deliverance, deliverance is not defined here. Like deliverance... Sometimes our deliverance and the deliverance that David gets is not at all what we planned for, hoped for, or asked for, but it is the deliverance that God brings about. And so what David says is, I don't know how you'll deliver me, but I believe that you will, and I rejoice in the fact that you will. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I am planning ahead. It's this future hope, this is, this is Advent. God, we don't know when you're coming back. God, we don't know when you're gonna wipe away every tear. God, we don't know when you're gonna take away and, and renew all things, but we know that you're coming back. And this future hope, I will rejoice that you are coming back. I will live with expectation that you are coming back. See, Advent is the looking back and the looking forward. And so David is saying, hey, I've looked back and it is agony, but I am planning ahead that you will deliver. Because, look at verse six, he has treated me generously. He says, God has treated me generously. See, here's something as we think about Christmas and Advent. Generosity is something we love to give gifts to people. We love to receive gifts from people. But do you see God as generous to you? Or do you see God as somebody who withholds from you? See, whether or not you believe God is generous to you will determine so much of your prayer life. If you believe that God is just withholding from you, you will come to God in your prayer life with a laundry list of like why he should answer you. But if you believe that God just is generous and does not hold back to his children and gives good gifts, like Jesus tells us he does, then you come and say, God, I cannot believe how generous you are to me how much I don't deserve this generosity. And he says, I am trusting in your deliverance because he has treated me generously. He says, I will sing to the Lord. He's planning ahead again. See, it doesn't mean that David is sitting there thinking, you know what, what I really wanna do right now is sing a song. No, he's saying, I know that I will one day sing because God is generous to me. 
See, and this is so important because so much of faith and, and so much, uh, especially around Advent, is the reminder of we, we look back to what God has done and we live into that future. We look back and say, look at how God has been generous to us. Look at how God has moved in our lives. And, and maybe for you, maybe, maybe you're brand new in your faith journey. You're, you just started following Jesus. And so you don't have this like long history of looking back and seeing all the things that God has given to you. But can you look back and see some things that before you thought, man, how did that come about in just the right way? Like, how is it like that person came into my life at just the right moment? That is God's generosity. Like, we think of God's generosity as simply money, like just money in the bank. Like, God was generous to me because I walked out to my mailbox and there was a check there I wasn't expecting, and that was just God's generosity to me. Now, that's one aspect of it, but sometimes, have you ever noticed, like God's generosity is all of a sudden you make a friend at just the right moment. Like, like here, here's God's generosity to me in the last couple of years. Two years ago, we were living in Tucson. We had no idea that in two years we we're gonna be in New England. We had no idea two years ago that we were about to move into the hardest 18 months of our entire lives. Two years ago, God moved a couple from Buffalo, New York to Tucson to take a job as an engineer. Now, this guy's in his mid-50s, and we have very little things in common. And yet, Todd and I became really close friends, and we hiked on a weekly basis together, and God brought him into my life knowing that I was gonna need him in this dark season. Now, that's God's generosity to me. And God does the exact same thing to, you, to all of us. He sends people into our lives. He sends, he sends opportunities at just the right moment. But the problem is we don't look around for God's generosity. We spend most of our time looking for all the things that God hasn't done that we've asked him to do. And, and so part of Advent is stepping back to say, okay, how has God treated me generously that maybe I missed? Who has God brought into your life in the last couple of years that maybe you missed? What has God done in the last couple of years that you didn't even ask for? I mean, there are so many prayers of ours that get answered that we didn't even pray. That's God's generosity to us. That's God's generosity. Like when somebody sends you a text and you're like, man, that was exactly like what I needed to, like I needed to hear from this person. That's God's generosity to you. Like an unexpected surprise, that's God's generosity. Right, when I, I'm standing out in my front yard the other night and I'm freezing, my kids, they don't have any shoes on, like, and you know, they're out there and you know, and it's snowing, they're catching snow, that's just God's gift to us. That's just God treating us generously. You know why? We have friends here from Arizona and one of our things, we literally prayed for weeks that when they were here, it would snow. Like, we prayed. We were like, God, how amazing would it be? Like, that's just God's generosity to us. See, but we miss this. We miss these things. And, and here's, what I, here's what I hope. Because there's not really a formula to, like, move through the silence of God. There's not, like, a step-by-step -step plan that I can give you to say, you know, this is how you get through the silence of God. This is how you... There's not really a formula to it. But one of the things that is so important is to hold on to how God has treated us generously. And this is one of the reasons that I love community. 
Because I love when we sit around, even when it's frustrating, as I hear how God is working in other people's lives when he's maybe not working in mine. But what that is, is it's reminding how God is treating us generously. And my faith is often strengthened as I hear about how God is at work in other people's lives. When I hear how God is moving in just really small ways and really big ways. See, here's what I don't want us to miss with this psalm. And it's one of the things I love about this psalm. David asks five really hard questions. I mean, and he does not hold back. God, how long do I have to wait? How long are you going to hide? How, are you going to forget me for I mean, he does not hold back. And God does not reject him for it. Does not reject him for it. And right now, some of you, you are in this place where you need to ask God these questions. You have questions that you have been holding back from God, and you need to bring them to God. But this psalm doesn't give any indication that God even responds. Gives no indication that God answers any of his questions. There's no indication or evidence that anything changes for David. And yet, through the lament and the pain, it moves to praise. And, and this is how. It moves there through trust. It moves there through faith. See, Advent is that trust. It is the trust that Jesus came 2,000 years ago and will come again. Henry Blackaby said this. He said, you can respond to the silence of God in two ways. One response is for you to go into depression, a sense of guilt and self-condemnation. The other response is for you to have an expectation that God is about to bring you to a deeper knowledge of himself. And these responses are as different as night and day. I remember when I was in that really dark season a couple years ago, and I was talking to an older pastor, and I was telling him, you know, God is just silent. He's not moving. He's not answering. I remember, and we were sitting at a conference, and, and we were sitting around a, a, a fire pit out in California at a hotel, and he got really quiet. And I mean, and I was just, un, I was just unloading just this, just this ache that I had for God to speak. And Jim looked at me and he said, so God has trusted you with his silence. And he said, Josh, God trusts us with his silence to take us to deeper places. And it is in the silence of God that God takes us to deeper places. See, in Psalm 13 is the reminder that the darkness does lift. That lament moves to praise. Advent is the reminder that the silence does end. That Jesus does come. Advent is the reminder that when we feel forgotten, we aren't. Advent is the reminder that when God feels far away or feels gone, he isn't. And Advent is the reminder that when all feels lost, hope is coming. So here's how I want to invite us to respond today, because I know that for many of us, we are, we are in this place of the silence of God. And you'll notice on your Connect card, there's a word there that says silence. And I want to invite you, if you're in this place of experiencing the silence of God, and you say, how, how is it that David moves from Psalm 13, verse 1, uh, of lament and grief to praise? 
And, and if you check the silence box, tomorrow we're going to send you an email that helps you to see how David moves from lament to praise. But as we close today, the band's going to lead us in a song called God With Us. And here's how I want to invite us to just spend these next few moments. I, I know for many of us, you probably rushed in here today. You're tired. You're ready for a nap. It's been a long Thanksgiving week. There's a lot of things that you need to get done. And you feel really stressed out that I just brought up that you have a lot of things to get done. <laughs> and over this next month, uh, our hope as we go through this series is to just take moments in our gatherings to just pause and to be quiet. Because there's, there's a lot of noise around the holiday season, a lot of good noise, a lot of good, good times. But we also want to have times where we just stop. And so for you, if you're in this place of silence, I want to encourage you, bring your questions to God as the band sings this song and sings over us. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Whatever's in your heart, bring it to him. But also, in this silence, I want to encourage you to ask God, where are you taking me deeper as you trust me with your silence? What is it that I can only learn about you and about me in the silence that I can't learn in the noise? And as they sing this song, God, with us, uh, my prayer that I've been praying for each one of you this week is that this song and, and would just remind us that in the silence, in the darkness, God is with you.